This evening's Dharma talk is titled Vertical Thoughts. Vertical. You know about that one, right? Thoughts. Vertical. Vertical thoughts it might take a while to move you, move us in a direction so you understand how I am differentiating between vertical thoughts and horizontal thoughts. Just a way of talking about it. There is no such thing, actually. I gotta say something if I thought I'd say that. So let's say, take it a little further. Vertical thoughts, vertical thoughts evaporate. Horizontal thoughts proliferate. Those are the two eights, which makes 16, which I had no comment on that. I thought I'd say that. Thought of it. The idea here is that vertical, you're having uh, your thought patterns that are allowed to, uh, allowed to rise, allowed to, they're there and you see them and you think them, but they're allowed to float away. You don't need to, you don't need the security of gra- uh, grasping onto thoughts. If you're grasping onto thoughts, this means you believe the thoughts. If the thoughts are allowed to just uh, uh, rise, then you neither believe them nor disbelieve them. You certainly don't look away from them. You see them. That stink bug upon the wall is following my example, going up the wall. You see it? Not really. Horizontal thoughts are more like the kind of thoughts that we think, well, this, we're think, thinking this, that must mean this, and then this, oh, uh, he said, she said, they said, I'm saying, I'm thinking, that must mean, that must mean never goes this way. That must mean always goes over there. What about this? What about that? What will happen if this happens? What if this happens? If you look up, all there is is the sky. Uh, this uh, Ikebana is, the vertical part of it is the very solid base of it. That's called earth. Earth is very conceptual. It's very solid. It's just this. It's just a structure. Uh, vertical, the vertical part represents heaven. So, or the ultimate situation. So, horizontal, earth, the vertical, heaven. And this little flower here is, the conventional word for that is man. But it's also man or woman or they. Just so I've got all my bases covered. I think there are three bases, right? No, I keep forgetting home plate. If they gave me a number, I mean, if they'd say one, two, three, four, what's wrong with those people back in the late 1800s when baseball? You, you know about that, I play baseball? That was uh, Chazan's, uh, his two choices. Should I play baseball or should I be a monk? <laughs> <laughs> so the idea here is that you would... See if you can see the difference between those thoughts in your own mind as you're sitting. Without doing the sitting practice of meditation, what we're doing here, pretty, it's going to be pretty hard for you to see that difference because it's so tempting to, to just go into it and get very discursive, very thinking, analyzing. Is, this a, is that a, if you have to say, is that a vertical thought, uh, it's horizontal. It's, it's flat. It's basic, conceptual, constructive, analytical uh, stuff. So when we get enamored of or get attached to our thinking process about this and about that, and we try to figure our life out, uh, it's going to be difficult. I'm not saying we can't do some calculating or figuring, but we quite often, we we just we get so enamored of that and so magnetized by it and so seduced by our thoughts that we, we actually think, and this is the, the structure of ego, loves this. It, it gets its fuel from pushing, pulling, and ignoring. And we actually think we're under the illusion that we can actually figure things out. Probably not. It's not that you couldn't use some calculating or figuring a little bit, but we tend to overdo it. When do we tend to overdo it? When we start to get afraid or when we start to get very, very hopeful. This is the other end of that spectrum, hope and fear. If you're just present and you're just here, you're not going to be seduced by anything. 
including anything I'm saying. Give your attention to everything I'm saying, just because you're here, why not? Uh, when you leave, forget everything I've said. <clears throat> In other words, you don't have to be particularly attached to anything that I'm saying. It seems that if we don't train our mind, if we don't sit down, hold still, and watch what the mind is doing, that we will be trapped by and, uh, and manipulated by and used by our thought pat patterns that are based on past causes and conditions. It could be so much as something where you've been mistreated when you were very young and got used to protecting yourself, running away, shutting down, afraid to feel anything because the person you're with, they, they got treated poorly at one time, and so they're passing that on to you. They weren't able to see through it. <clears throat> or then people go into some kind of a religious situation where they think everybody has to do what they do. It's painful. So by sitting down once a day, a couple times a day, six times a week, sit down, hold still, look at the wall, or look at the floor. If you don't want to look at the wall, look at something that's not doing anything. Sit and look and observe and watch what continues to move. And what continues to move will probably be your thought patterns, your mind, your worries, your fretting, your calculating, your planning. Should I do? What should I do about? What should I do about her? What should I do about him? If you notice, there's always somebody who would be happy to give you advice. And usually, the people who want to give you advice are the people that are the most confused, people that are living their life and their their own life is not going so well. But if you ask them, if you even just share with them how you're feeling, they right away they're starting to tell you what to do about that because that helps them ignore their own issues. Perhaps I'm not saying that's all. So another, another uh, little slogan that I have that I give, recommend to people is don't do anything unless you have to. <clears throat> don't gamble with your life. Don't do anything unless you have to. Sit back and wait and see what shows up. See what shows up. If, you, if you're doing things based on impulse or on guesswork, then you're going to miss particularly the very thing you need to see in your life because you're operating out of what? Hope and fear. Hope that things will get better and fear that they're going to get worse. And so, therefore, we're tend, we tend to grasp at things based on our uninspected karma, uninspected psychology, our uninspected consciousness, our mind. Sitting practice of meditation will allow you, over time, if you do it enough, if you do this exercise enough, will allow you to see more clearly what is coming and going without projecting your ideas and opinions and concepts and projections and prejudices onto it. It's very difficult to see what your prejudice situation is. The very nature of prejudice is like this. So if you see that you're prejudiced, you probably, the, a lot of that's starting to back off already. But you do not have to get rid of prejudice. All you have to do is see that it's there. If you try to get rid of it, here's the prejudice, and you think you're getting rid of it, but really you're just covering it up with your thought patterns. Oh, I'm not prejudiced. And sure, you, you might be fine as long as there isn't an emotional tsunami coming along to knock that shield away so suddenly the prejudice comes right back out and there starts to be more warfare. Just a way of talking about it. <clears throat> this, this situation here is a spiritual path, spiritual meaning transcend this world. It is not a mundane path where you've got a healthier and healthier ego. You actually transcend the ego mind or the self-centered mind. It takes a while. So what is happening when you're doing sitting meditation is it's like you're, you're doing an exercise, an awareness exercise, where that invisible mu muscle called the awareness just gets stronger. You can't really measure it. You can't, you can't check it out, but it's, it gets stronger 
And one of the ways that you know it's getting stronger is you can see more clearly the way you deceive yourself. You're starting to see more and more clearly. That can be a very negative feeling sometimes when people who operate without a teacher and without a community or a sangha uh, will meditate. And then if it, the meditation actually starts to work, then because of fear or because of some other kind of confusion, uh, someone might begin to think uh, and, and have an opinion about what's happening and think, well, this can't work. I feel worse. So I'll stop doing it. I'll look for something else. I'll try yoga. Nothing wrong with yoga. I like yoga. I know a lot of yogins and yoginis. So the awareness gets stronger, and the way you know is you begin to see more clearly, not into your own, not only into your own psychology, but you begin to see more clearly what's happening with others. Uh, maybe that, maybe uh, before you began meditation, uh, you might have seen other people coming at you with anger or, or accusations or unfairness coming in your way. You might have been upset or mad or wanted to fight with them, or maybe you did fight with them. Whereas after you meditated for not too long, a few years, you might begin to see when this kind of energy comes your way, instead of seeing the leading edge of the situation, you actually see what's causing that, and you see how much suffering that person is dealing with, and that's why they're coming at you with the state of lock and load, or after I want a piece of you because of what you did, what you said, what they think you did or said. Whereas if you see very clearly the underlying motivation or the you see deeply into what's happening with others, it's called intuition, that can't function. Intuition is not thinking. Then you may give them, cut them a little bit of slack. You, may, you might see that they're doing that and you may, instead of fighting with them or arguing or running away, you might, you might not even say, I see you're having a hard time, which could be condescending to that person. You might not say that at all. You might just look at them for a moment and then drop your gaze. Don't look directly in the eyes of anyone who is accusing you of anything. And also don't look away or run away. Just drop your gaze a little bit. Allow, give the other person some psychological space so they, perhaps there's a possibility that through their awareness, they can see that you're not retaliating. You're not running away. You're just there with them. <clears throat> and if there's enough space, in other words, nothing is being said, you might ask them more about it. You might even say, sounds like it's difficult, rather than any kind of pointing. Even though it's obvious that they're creating 99% of this, or 72%. So awareness, awareness, awareness. Vertical thoughts. That's, that's when the thoughts are uh, happen in the space. Horizontal thoughts are when the thought patterns uh, suck up all the oxygen, because they need so damn much energy to keep going. They take up all your awareness. That's when the, the prior, uh, the, what has priority is the thought patterns because to ego mind or self-centered mind or narcissistic mind feels safer to think than just to be aware. You sit and look at this wall for very, very long, you'll see what I mean. As the ego gets more and more uncomfortable looking at nothing, it, it wants support, it wants reassurance, it wants, it wants, it wants, it's hungry. It's hungry for what? The three poisons, passion, I like it, Aggression, I don't like it, and ignorance, what problem? Those three, those are not, this isn't something I made up, that's traditional Buddhism going back 2,500 years to the time of the Buddha himself, and has been passed down through the centuries to the current situation. And it's not through just a bunch of books, It's has been said it's warm hand to warm hand. I had to meet a couple of living human beings 
myself so that I could understand what this meant. I couldn't, I'd been reading about it for years. Now the bug is on the ceiling. I just thought I'd point that out since I'm up here pointing things out. Questions at this point? Junchu. How do we transform horizontal thoughts into vertical thoughts? Uh, see the uh, see the horizontal horizontal quality of the materialistic uh, approach of trying to get this and keep away that. See see that and then see if then then see the spaciousness around that. If you see the space around that, it's just like looking from the ground up and looking at the sky. So it's not particularly idealistic. It's just another aspect of reality that we quite often ignore, which is called awareness, consciousness. The amazing thing, and this is not for something for you to believe, because I don't really believe this, but I'm going to tell you anyway. Are you ready? <laughs> if you were to die at this moment, the only thing would happen, here you are, horizontal. I mean, here you are, vertical. This is who you are. This is your awareness, your consciousness. And here is your body. When the body drops, it goes horizontal, but you don't. I don't believe that, nor do I disbelieve it. If you believe it or you disbelieve it, this is horizontal. To live without grasping and rejecting or shutting down on anything. This is liberation. If you want it, you can have that. If you are not interested, then continue to live your life. Trust yourself. Do whatever you need to do for yourself. There's nothing to believe here. There's nothing to disbelieve, although it might look like it to someone who projects onto the situation. <clears throat> this is what Buddhism is about. It's not about believing in anything. Buddhists don't believe in the Buddha. That's ridiculous. That's what people think Buddhists do. They're mistaken. But Buddhists are not so concerned about controlling other people that they're going to bother explaining it to them or arguing with them about it. You'll notice when the when the uh, when the, those incredibly beautiful sand, sandstone sculptures in Bamiyan were blown up with dynamite quite a number of years ago. You didn't hear any Buddhists complaining about it because it's a non-theistic spiritual path. This sandstone, it doesn't mean it's a little sad to have all those beautiful pieces of sculpture go, but it's not worth fighting with anyone about it. The people who blew them up are extremely confused and don't know anything to do with their own suffering, but just destroy and kill and destroy and kill until they end up in that situation themselves. And then they, and then they find out they find out that who you are can't be destroyed. You can't destroy space. Who you are is not separate from space. If it is, then I was wrong. Jason. Why is death not liberation? If it is liberation. Why do we... <laughs> <laughs> Keep coming. It is liberation. Uh, I'm not sure how to talk about this perpetuation of suffering. That's right, I'll handle that part. Why doesn't suffering cease at the time of death? Or does it? So the way it looks... Not being somebody who's dead, I know I look like I'm pretty close, but it hasn't happened yet. I think then it depends on the belief structure of what you think is actually happening. It's like believing in a dream. Have you noticed that when you're when you're in a dream and you're and you're having a, a really enjoyable dream, it's it's enjoyable. It seems real. When you're having a nightmare, it's absolutely terrifying. And there isn't there isn't a consciousness in there that splits off and say, "Hey, just it's just a nightmare. You don't have to worry. You have to wake up." So your mom can tell you if that was a nightmare. Go ahead. In your analogy of the thinning up, yeah, um, is delusion related to one side, the side that goes horizontal, or is there still some connected with the? If vertical? if if the if one has not realized in this lifetime what this situation is, then when you die, because of hope and fear has not been dealt with uh, in this life, uh, in the in the physical situation, then it will probably show up in the in the spiritual path. 
I mean, in the uh, in the uh, sense of there being just spirit with no physical manifestation. So and, is and, the uh, heart that goes down is that more than just the physical body? You know, it's just a way of talking about it. Probably doesn't do anything. It's just a way of talking about it to to help us use our conceptual mind, which these are concepts, to move more closely towards what probably is going on there. Just like if someone really believes in Allah or Christ or somebody really believes in that, when the body drops, they probably will see images of that, more than likely. But they aren't any more substantial than anything else. And it's not that that, that wouldn't be okay to do that. Does suffering arise outside of, or is it dependent on physical existence? Looks like it depends on, on some kind of manifestation. Excuse me, my nose is itching. <laughs> I was a mouse, I could just wiggle it. <laughs> so, come on. Yes, sir. Uh, so you were speaking about, you know, simply dropping your gaze a little bit. Yes. Uh, what would you do in a situation where somebody takes that and... Uh, you, you probably would have to take that chance, but uh, it would be a misinterpretation. But if they, as soon as they uh, uh, start to say that or talk, then look at them. Then look back at them, and, and and then you could literally you have that opening as soon as they say that. Then you have the opening and say, "Oh no, I don't mean to be disrespectful at all." And if you're sincere, it'll be in your voice. It'll be in the tone of your voice. No, I don't mean to be. I just didn't want. To, and if depending on who you're talking to, this may work or may not. Depends on who it is. You could say, "No, I just didn't mean to challenge what you're saying. I don't. I don't want any more uh, uh, tension between us. If I can help it." And that person, depending on how some people, their self-centeredness is so strong that they have to have a warfare. I mean, otherwise, why would they feel so intense? You know, and if you start becoming relaxed, you don't want to become too relaxed because then it's intimidating and then it, and then they might kill you. <laughs> meant to be funny. <laughs> I know I had to explain that. They, it, it, there's some truth to that because if you get too soft, uh, then the, the person can't stand to have that kind of intensity come up. They need, a, they need something to polarize it so that they, they don't feel, so it isn't so difficult for them. So a little bit of disagreement would probably be okay. You follow me? I've talked to inmates in prison where you can't get away from somebody in there about how to, how to work with their body language, uh, much better than conceptual language. Body language is powerful. Further questions? Shane from California asks, how is, how is awakening transferred from one person to another? It's not. They are not separate in the first place. It's just a, just used metaphorically to transmit teaching to someone, to point out the fundamental nature of mind to, to one's student. Uh, it's still the student is the one who realizes it. So it isn't something you can particularly hand over on the other hand and on the same hand. You have to shake hands. You have to meet. You have to ask to be a warm hand. You have to meet the person who is your teacher. If you don't meet them, um, you might not get uh, uh, get to graduate. What is it about a living person, living teacher, that is more helpful than just reading Dharma books? The living teacher knows you're not separate. He, she, they don't believe it. They know it. They can see it. It's in their face all the time. Not separate. Not separate. Not separate. It's practically barking at them. And so if you if you see that so clearly, uh, then you can fundamentally help others because you won't interfere with their with their life, with their mind, without permission. So like I say, if you all come in here and sit down for the next, what, 20 minutes or so, uh, you are students, hopefully, and I'm a teacher. But when you leave, you're 
go do something else, unless you're a temple resident, and then get permission. <laughs> or not, you could, I wouldn't chase you. I would just say, somebody would just say, oh, Cody left. He did? <laughs> Where'd he go? I don't know, he just went stomping out of here one day, it's the last we've seen him. When was that? He crawled out the window. <laughs> <laughs> We don't know what was ups what was upsetting him. It was right after your interview with him, he just was really <laughs> irritated with something. That was the last we saw of Cody. And I would say, one less student. <laughs> so I would say that. So it's meeting, if, if you understand who you are, if you know who you are, it's a realization. It's not something you think about, and it's not something that is an experience. This is an experience. Where is it now? Gone, other than it's in your memory. Realization is not an experience. It is experiential because there are things about it that come and go and come and go, but the fundamental understanding never goes anywhere because it's the truth. You see it. It's, it's not something you believe, and no one can ever take that away from you. Even death can't take that away from you. How do I know? I don't know. That's how I know. Vertical. Don't leave the ground. You, don't, you can't do away with the, with the earth. And when the man goes, or the woman, or the... Uh, transsexual, there's just this, and it's not separate. And it may be broken down into, into elements, and it may not. Don't you? It seems like there's an assumption that the horizontal thoughts are bad, and the vertical thoughts are good. That's what I was saying. <laughs> <laughs> you also said right and wrong, good and bad are beside the point. So what is the I point did. of, or what is helpful about trying to discern the difference between maybe a vertical and horizontal? So the beginning of it is to see that they're different. And then the, the, so that the ground is suffering. We're, we're having difficulty with our minds where things are getting worse and they get a little better and then they start to get worse again and we can't find anybody to blame, including ourselves. And we, we don't know what to do. And then we stumble into the path. We begin to train our mind and we start to hear about this kind of a teaching of, of awareness teaching and about uh, concepts. We start to hear about that. And so the beginning is to separate those out so you can see what that is. But the final realization is everything collapses and nothing is separate anymore. Awareness is not separate from thoughts. Thoughts is not separate from awareness. You're not separate from anyone else. It's a realization. You just realize something that's always been the case. Your grandmother did, your grandfather did. You're, you're, you realize it all the way back through, if I can say it in the fancy way, through all of your lifetimes, all the times you've been here and have forgotten about it. All of that is realized and it's here now, it's present. And it's without a self. It's good. Good thing. <laughs> yes, sir. Uh, if, so the death is liberation, then why live in the first place? <clears throat> because it doesn't, uh, because the, the death will happen, and then because there's unresolved crap, that, and then you will eventually come back around and be reborn again. You'll come back into this uh, uh, nursery school, and then you go to kindergarten, and then you go to the next, and then, and then you'll either learn what this is, or else you'll continue to separate yourself out over and over and over and over again. Here we are, back here again. So, you follow that? Yes. Okay. You have a question? question? I wouldn't move move your arm very much. I'm going to call on you. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. oh, you have a question? You have a question? Um, when the body drops, does liberation still have a form? You mean if someone is liberated before they die? Is that what you meant? Um, yes. <clears throat> Probably. But it ha I don't want to get too technical about it, but it has to do with the vow. If someone is a Buddhist, 
uh, on the Mahayana path, they, they receive or observe a vow to save all beings. So as long as there's one being anywhere who is suffering, the, the Buddha or anyone who is practicing the Buddha Dharma, the Mahayana, uh, will, not, will not go into cessation or to nirvana. They will not enter nirvana until the entire situation is, is uh, clear of obstruction, clear of suffering. But none occurs. Otherwise, if I don't speak, say it that way, then then I have to do positive or negative or neutral, and so I would say it. I would say it in a negative way. Yeah. Is there any, a, a liberation outside of just seeing no self and no other? Or are we talking about seeing that? Wait until all beings have seen no self and no other. I don't know. Human being, human consciousness is, uh, is uh, has some limitations. We we'll probably have to check with the aliens. See if there's anything else. No, not those aliens. The other ones. Yes, sir. This conflict of addiction and and going over into when you pass, it seems to me that turmoil is totally undecided in you. Okay. And so I, maybe this is where you, I understanding that that's when you come back. That that is. A super unresolved thing in your yes. Uh, that's why I say resolve it now. You're here. You're hearing. This is this is very very unusual. There are not thousands and thousands of people gathering or millions of people gathering around to hear this kind of a teaching. This is very unusual. And there's no particular propaganda here. I respect everyone's intelligence. You can walk out of here and never think about meditation and Buddhism again. I appreciate you coming and listening. But what you do with your life is up to you. It's your business. I'm not about to meddle in anyone's business and tell them what they should do, should or shouldn't do, unless you give me permission, which is what a few people who are students of mine have done. And those people, I, I think I order you guys around all the time, don't I? Mm. But you know, if you die, which we all will, the way it looks so far, a lot of examples of that happening. Uh, <laughs> you die. That funny? Do you think that was funny? <laughs> Not laughing. <laughs> okay, that was funny. <laughs> Wasn't meant to be funny. That's why I'm perplexed. So, uh, so if you if you die without first resolving or understanding what this tension or what this this you know in, in our gut we have this kind of struggle. Sometimes we can ignore it. We just kind of pretend it's not there. Sometimes we can use artificial pretense, alcohol, drugs. We artificially pretend it's not there by engaging in, you know, party down, you know, and avoid it, you know, just let's go bowling. Well, yeah, bowling, we'll do something else. Just avoid it, avoid it, avoid it, right up until the time of death. And then we have all that unobserved, un uninvestigated uh, karma or negativity that, that still wants to be expressed. So we come back again. We enter this school again, and if we're lucky, we meet someone that can that has been through it. They can fundamentally help you, help us with that. And there's all kinds of spiritual paths. There's theistic, you know, someone praying. To totally uh, appropriate to do that. Uh, putting someone else ahead of yourself is a very important path. We don't do it that way. We do a non-theistic approach to it, which is just different. Some people are not ready to do this kind of a path. That's why I wouldn't convince them of doing anything. I would say if someone was a Christian or was a Muslim or uh, or uh, 
indigenous American or whatever they were, or had no no religious orientation, I would say, just practice whatever you do, or whatever it is you do, practice it, make it your make it important to you. Um, someone who is, uh, well, I think I've said enough about it. Well, you should trust yourself. Further questions, David. The horizontal seems kind of heavy, and you're talking kind of earthy. Is there some um, some kind of we always hear about cleansing? Is there some kind of cleansing that happens with Vertical. I think I think somewhat, but I think it needs to have a lot of looking at the, the horizontal or looking at the negativity. You can't make friends with yourself unless you first find, found out how difficult things are. You can't really work with that by just uncovering it and pretending it's not there or pretending some kind of verticality. You have to see both of them. You have to see the whole uh, heaven earth man. You have to see the entirety of the whole thing. Yes. I think it's this rain, but I'm thinking about mud, and uh, how mud. do we see the mud and stick with it? Uh, mud's pretty sticky. <laughs> yes. Uh, Kozan from Traverse City asks if you could describe again the uh, metaphor of vertical thoughts. So vertical, uh, the horizontal thoughts are always looking for some, they're always looking to... Uh, uh, elaborate and contaminate and they're always looking for other reference points and they're looking for all kinds of conversation i call it a gossip it's all, all kind of gossip should i shouldn't I? is this right is that right what should this be what do you think about what i'm thinking about what you're thinking we actually do that so i'll say it very slowly what do you think about what i think about what you're thinking i'm thinking we actually do that we don't say it that way but we have conversations that involve that kind of a uh, labyrinth of concepts. So I would say to respond to Kozan's question, I would say that we need to look at that uh, that kind of structure and uh, and by training the mind to just sit still and watch what moves, we eventually start to recognize that quality of thoughts that where the thoughts are showing up in the open space and they're not particularly uh, claiming anything, they're just just a thought process. Uh, there, it's interesting because when that uh, begins to occur, then the thoughts come and actually help you with what is happening in your life rather than come in and make things even worse by causing you to be paranoid and looking for right and wrong and judging. We've all met somebody who, we all know somebody, maybe it's you, who is uh, always looking for what's right, what's wrong. You can get very caught up in that kind of dynamic. We, we, teach, it, we teach it to our young people rather than teaching the young people to actually look at their life and be responsible for what they're doing. We, as soon as we see, see any kind of mistake happening, it's quite often we clamp down on them and feel that like we have to train them. We'll even hear people say, well, that's not the way I was taught. That's a, kind of a clumsy thing to be saying. Did I answer Kozan's question? So uh, horizontal, we're just saying that the thoughts that are saying right, wrong, right, 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 that's right, and that's wrong. That's correct, that's incorrect. This is why we do forms. This is why uh, all of you in here tonight, we're doing the Heart Sutra in English, a traditional uh, Mahayana Sutra, Buddhist Sutra. And what that is basically saying is that everything is empty of what you think it is. Form, feeling, perception, concept, consciousness. Form, feeling, perception, concepts or thinking, and the six sense fields and their objects are empty of a self. There's no self there just looks like it. And so the form that we use we, by chanting that over and over again, you eventually see that there's no way you can do it the same way twice. 
this works in the consciousness in such a way to help us see that you cannot really lock down on anything. So there's no, there is a form that we, what we observe, you know, we don't obey forms, just like in our lineage, the 16 precepts, not to kill, not to steal, not to tell lies, and so on, are not things to obey. Those are things that you observe. I can give you examples of how there are times when you may need to lie. There may be times when you need to kill, unlikely. But if you want to eat, you're going to have to kill something. Something that's alive. You can't eat rocks and dead tree bark for very long. You're going to disagree with me. <laughs> okay. Yes. Uh, dealing with conflict with others. Yes. Uh, how are we not to deal in absolutes while in conflict while the other party is dealing in absolutes? You so, understand my question. I, I do understand it, and I'm saying that it's it's pretty it's pretty conditional on who it is, what the relationship has been established already. If it's somebody you just met that's doing that, which it doesn't sound like that's the case, but if it's some, I, I, I think and I feel and I'm sensing that the best way for you to work with that is because it's so kind of conditional and so uh, uh, it's so. Um, it's so dependent upon each situation and that person and that particular scenario that's going on that the best way for you to work with that genuinely, I sense that you sincerely want to do that, so you've got that part covered, the sincerity I sense is there. And I would say train your mind. You don't have to be a Buddhist. I think it helps because it, you, these forms are important, but you could sit down, look at the wall, do it for an hour or two every day. It's not much time. you got 24 hours. Sleep six and a half hours. Meditate the other hour and a half, and just sleep while you're meditating. <laughs> <laughs> I'm kidding. If you're sitting straight like this and you're asleep, this is meditation practice. You won't hear that anyplace else. More about that. So, in other words, you're stretching your awareness, training your awareness, opening your awareness more and more and more. So there's less need for you to grasp onto ideas and concepts about what's happening, and you're more able to just be there with whatever's whatever's. Whatever kind of confusion is happening with the person, if you're just present and you've worked with your own mind and you've made friends with yourself on some kind of a deep level where you're no longer con conflicted about who you are and what you're about, and you sincerely want to help that person, even if that person is coming at you with absolutes, uh, you'll be okay. They may never, they may never uh, understand, but actually working with others in a skillful way is always about you, not about them. The, the, the uh, therapists in the room know about that. <laughs> yes. Uh, Jim Johnson from up in Muskegon. Yes, Jim. Uh, he says, hello. How does realization on the spiritual path relate to the mundane path? Are they not separate? They are not separate. Until they're, before they're realized, then they're separated. We have the mundane path, doing whatever we're doing to live as physical beings in this world. But then we start to uh, dedicate time to the spiritual path. And when awakening occurs uh, for us, we realize that we're, that nothing is separate from anything else. This is an ancient teaching, uh, Pratitya Samutpada. This is Sanskrit. Everything is dependently arisen. Nothing comes from its own side as an in independent, no matter how much you feel like you're winning, or no matter how much you feel like you're losing. Temporary. Nothing, la nothing lasts. Even realization doesn't last. It doesn't last if you're thinking about it. It's only when you don't know if you're realized or not. There isn't anyone, so there's no one to realize realization. Once you see that the ego or the self-centeredness is transparent, unreal, 
There's no solid being anywhere. Never has been. Then it's not a problem at all to help others because you're not separate from them. So, like as has been said in the in the Buddhist tradition, uh, the Mahayana path or the path of the Bodhisattva, seeing that everyone, it's as if everyone has been your mother. Everywhere you look, everyone is taking care of you. Just a way of talking about it to help us get over the the hump of adversarial things that tend to come. I'm not talking about if you had a difficult time with your mom. You could say that everybody one has been the mother that you wanted. <laughs> not the one you got. Have time for another question, especially from someone who hasn't asked a question yet. Very good. Thank you very much. I'd like to remind everybody about the donation boxes that we have in the hallway. Please help us financially as much as you can. We also accept payments on PayPal and with debit and credit cards. May the merit of this penetrate into all places so that we and every sentient being together can realize the Madonna's way.